0: When you can learn to position yourself as the guide in their hero's journey, then not only are they gonna win, but you're gonna win. You're going to be able to invite people into this beautiful
1: story. Welcome to episode number 47 on the My Story Podcast. My Story podcast features interviews with interesting people who tell their stories and the life lessons they've learned along the way in order to inspire you to live a life of meaning and purpose. Hi, my name is Conrad Weaver, and I'm so glad you've stopped by to listen to today's show. Have you ever been sucked into a book or a movie and found yourself thinking about it constantly? Why does this happen? How does a story move us? How does it transform us? Today we're going to find out, and we're going to learn about Story. My guest is Dr. JJ Peterson. He's the Chief of Teaching and Facilitation at StoryBrand. It's a company you've likely heard of, especially if you're in the business world. JJ's also the co-host of the very popular Business Made Simple podcast with Donald Miller. Stay tuned for his story in just a minute. Hey, if you enjoy this show, please be sure to hit the subscribe button and so you don't miss an episode. And be sure to listen all the way to the end to hear a teaser on next week's interview that you don't want to miss. It's a continuation of sorts from today's show, All About Story. And now here's my interview with Dr. JJ Peterson. So, Dr. JJ Peterson, welcome to the My Story podcast. So glad that you joined me today.
0: Oh, thanks so much for having me. I love it.
1: So, uh, as I said kind of pre show here, you know, I've been a huge fan of Story Brand and now the uh, a business made simple, the uh-huh. company, and uh, been following your progress throughout the years. And so it's really a, an honor to have you on the show to tell your story. And I want to get into something that you were involved with a number of years ago where you debated theology with filmmakers at Sundance. Yes. And but I want want to talk about that later in the show. Okay. So let's we'll kind of with. cue you up for that. Good teaser. Uh, Good teaser. <laughs> yeah. So so JJ, who are you and what do you do?
0: Well uh my name's well, like you said, Dr. J.J. Peterson. Yes,
1: doctor. You got that (laughs) degree last year, right?
0: (laughs) I like it when other people say it. It feels weird when I, (laughs) you know, Uh, but I am the, now I'm the vice president of story brand for business made simple. And what I currently do is I help companies clarify their messaging through a story framework. So I teach people how story works And how to position themselves in the story, in their marketing in particular, or any really communication style, whether it's giving a speech or email or marketing, but teach you how to communicate with your audience in a way that invites them into a story.
1: Well, so it's really appropriate that we have you on the My Story podcast, because yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we're going to hear your story today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, sure. tell me a little bit about your background. Where did you, where were you born? Where'd you grow up? And, and what was that like? What was your childhood like?
0: My, I, I've honestly, our staff, we do every, well, pre-COVID, we'd, every Wednesday we had a staff lunch. And it, at the end of lunch, the way we kind of closed lunch was they would call it story time with JJ, Mm -hmm. because they find it kind of fascinating that I've lived about 20 different lives. (laughs) 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 And I have, and so it's kind of funny, every time I tell my story, depending on the audience, it's a little bit different focus, but I've kind of had a wild fun life. Mm. I grew up between, um, Oregon and Kenya. My Mm. parents were actually missionaries in Kenya when I was younger. And so born in Oregon, but then moved over to Kenya Mm. for a few years and came back and, um, and then went to college in Southern California. And I didn't really see the theme of my life until I got to where I am now, but Mm. really it's kind of always been about story. Everything Mm. I've been done has ever been about story. And so after college, I became a I did public relations for a, a nonprofit that builds mm. homes in Mexico. So I actually lived in Tijuana for a little bit oh, wow. in San Diego and uh, built homes and schools and churches down on the border towns in Mexico. Mm. And my job was to tell those stories. It mm. was to do public relations, to invite more people into the work and raise funds to help more communities down there and restore families is really what it was all about, because mm. found that when we went in and um, were working with orphanages that most of the kids actually had families, but they couldn't stay together because they didn't have a home. Mm-hmm. So we started building homes and so mm-hmm. um, to keep families together. So I, I, my job was to tell those stories. And I was kind of looking, that's a pretty heavy, you know, life when you're living mm-hmm. in the slums. And sure. so I was looking for a fun kind of outlet. So I started doing improv comedy at a club mm-hmm. In San Diego, and I, I auditioned for the main stage comedy sports, and I started doing improv comedy, and then I ended up becoming a youth pastor. Actually,
1: <laughs> well, we have that. that in common. I was a youth pastor for oh, a you of really? years. I was <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> when I was in San Diego, I was volunteering at this little inner city church, and literally the youth pastor uh, had been held at gunpoint two different times, and so oh, I decided that that was done. <laughs> so I me and a couple other volunteers took over this
1: little youth group. So and you decided it just, to be the one that's held up. <laughs> yeah, it
0: really it became that. It was a very interesting, like the amount of uh, kids who are in gangs and just out of prison who are wow. in my youth group was kind of amazing. And so I did that for a little bit and then decided I wanted to do youth ministry full time and moved from this tiny little church in inner city, San Diego to a church of 8,000. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so
0: once again, you know, my life was really about telling stories and mm. inviting people into story. And then from there, I became a, I actually went into comedy full time mm. and toured for about three years doing improv comedy. And during that, I mean, you and, you and I had a little conversation about what it's like to travel and schlep equipment everywhere <laughs> and everything, <Right. laughs> and the touring life wasn't for me. And so I ended up uh, after that going back to school to get my master's in uh, theology and the arts, so study of story and film okay. and television and music and decided to teach that. And okay. so I started teaching communication at a at a university in Southern California, mm-hmm. uh, leadership and communication. And then through that became Dean of Students at a college. Hmm. And see, I, I, hmm. I mean, I'm literally trying to only get the highlights. <laughs> and then this is kind of where the story really leads to where I am now is that I, one, I was in Southern California, Dean of Students. And as most, a lot of people do in Southern California, I partnered with a production company to create a reality television show. Hmm. And um, the reality television show starred my brothers and I, and the, it was called Bad A Brothers. And <laughs> the premise behind the show was that my brothers and I were so not bad A that we couldn't even say the word. Like, you know, just like we, And we really wanted to be more bad A. And the way that we would become more bad A is by traveling around the United States and finding those old weird laws that are still on the books. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. You can't cross the Minnesota border with a duck on your head. You know, you can't sleep on top of a refrigerator in Detroit. And we would find the history behind these laws and then Mm. we would break those laws so we could be more bad A. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, so I left the school and I'd signed with a production company and we were creating that show. And through that ended up basically even through comedy and everything, I did a lot of television and film. So Mm. um, was an extra in so many, you know on West Wing and The Office and My Name is Earl and Ghost Whisper, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, did all of that because I wanted to learn production and how mm-hmm. to tell stories better. So I did a lot of TV and film. And then kind of when I started doing the reality show, I started doing more television and film, doing directing mm-hmm. a few things and writing some more things and acting and more things and even just like little things like doing craft services or lighting or transportation on productions, big and small, just so I could be a part of this team that was telling these stories. Hmm. And while I was doing that, I had a lot of free time because you know, as a, you know, as a contractor and independent artist, you kind of have like these seasons of where you're not sleeping for two weeks, and then you sleep for two weeks. Or two months. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so then I, my friend Donald Miller had started the company story brand where mm-hmm. he was starting to teach companies how to position themselves in the marketplace through a I mean, where did you guys meet first he i actually had him come speak at the college i was at okay. uh, to my students so mm-hmm. that's how we i had known about him for years we had common friends but had never met and i was like i'll just have him come be a speaker and mm-hmm. we met and became instant friends And so he, uh, I, he said, you know, you're launching this new television show. I've got this new company where we're trying to teach people how to position themselves and tell a clear message. So why don't you come out and work on your messaging for Hmm. the television show and maybe for a book that you have going on. So I did, and I came out and I absolutely fell in love with the framework. Hmm. The framework is really based around the idea that most companies or leaders or really anybody who's trying to communicate a message always tries to position themselves as the hero in the story. Mm -hmm. We're always trying to talk about how great we are and how, you know, like even as I'm getting ready, say to launch a television show, how great this television show, how great my brothers and I are. Mm -hmm. And, or if I'm selling shoes, it's just like how great the shoes are. And, and, And so you're positioning your company as, or your product or your message as the hero of the story. And the reality is, and you know this very well, is that every one of us sees ourselves as a hero in our own story, hmm, right? Like right. whether we whether we kind of identify with that strong, you know, archetype of a hero mm-hmm. or not, we all see ourselves as trying to accomplish a mission, overcoming problems, you know, mm-hmm. have a happy ending. We're all seeing ourselves in these heroic stories. And when companies come in or a leader comes in and positions their their message or their product or themselves as the hero and the audience or the customer sees themselves as a hero in their story, then you are in competing stories with your Mm. customer. You're competing stories with your audience. So you have to learn to position yourself as the guide in your customer's story. So Mm. the customer is the hero and you are the guide. And when you can learn to position yourself as the guide, as the Obi-Wan Kenobi to their story, Luke Skywalker, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. as the Hamish to their Katniss, Mm -hmm. as the Gandalf to their Frodo. When you can learn to position yourself as the guide in their hero's journey, then not only are they going to win, but you're going to win. You're going to be mm-hmm. able to invite people into this beautiful story and of where they transform and become who they want to be through your product or service. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I just fell in love with it, A, because I had been trying to tell stories and pitch stories and B story for years and had never been able to boil it down in this easy of a framework, you know. Mm-hmm. So many people think story is very complicated, and you just have to have natural talent. But those of us who have been in the industry for a while know story is formulaic.
1: Yeah. Formulaic. If you look at movies and their 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 patterns, they're all the same.
0: They're <laughs> the exact same. <laughs> you know, exact same. And um, and when you these are good
1: movies, right? The good movies, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well,
0: the movies you remember. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. You, the mm-hmm. ones you remember, the ones that make a lot of money yep. yeah, are <laughs> exactly. those that have a broad audience are the ones that are formulaic. Mm-hmm. Now there are definitely art house films that are beautiful and amazing that do not follow the story and are great pieces of art. Mm-hmm. But sure. Those do not make a lot of money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> not that yeah. everything is about money, but right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if it comes to building your business or building your brand, then it is about numbers and it is about making money so that you're not just doing a hobby. You know what I mean? Like, sure, sure. You know, a lot of us did tell stories and do make films <laughs> as a hobby, and that is wonderful. Right. But if you really want to reach a broad audience and you really want to make some money and build your brand, then you have to follow a formula of story. And mm. because it works and it's worked all the way back to Aristotle and Plato, mm. you know, they wrote Aristotle wrote about it in Poetics, mm. about the power of story to change people's minds and influence culture. And there is a formula to it. And when you understand that formula, then not only are you going to be able to tell great stories, but really you're going to be able to invite people into a beautiful story that they can be living. And that will, companies that can participate in the transformation of their customers are gonna win. Hmm. And when you invite them into a story, you are participating in their transformation.
1: Mm -hmm. It's interesting. A few years ago, I was working on a screenplay and uh, actually wrote a screenplay uh, we ended up, we're, we're hiring a, a screenwriter out of Canada now to finish it. But, uh, right. so I took the book, save the cat Yeah, and I was yep. like, I'm going to write this script based <laughs> on this book. Yeah. And yep. you know, they, he, he kind of decided, kind of took all these different movies and, and put them on that formula and it was like, wow. wow. I mean, you just ruined movie watching for me, you
0: know? Oh, 100%. I mean, that book, when I was in L.A., every year, there was like an article in the L.A. Times about how Blake Snyder had ruined movies because... (laughs) he really broke it down and basically mm-hmm. said, if you want a blockbuster movie, you have to follow this formula yeah. and actually goes through and says, what should be on every page.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And, and in, and everybody follows that now. And in movies, a page, usually a page of a screenplay is about a minute. About, of a about movie. A minute. Mm-hmm. So you can actually chart minute by minute. What should be in a
1: good movie. Yep. I was <laughs> and- just watching a movie the other night on Netflix and there was a death scene. And I was like, Yep. It's about the time. <laughs> it's about that time yeah. in the movie where yeah. someone dies.
0: <laughs> it has to. And, and, and I think, you know, we, we joke and, and those of us who have kind of been around it a bit, we go like, well, it ruins movies for us. But for me, it actually makes it a little bit more fun. Cause even like crappy movies you can kind of like Mm go oh there they did it there they broke you know Mm -hmm. and and for the audience listening it's a book called save the cat by blake snyder and every screenwriter uses it Mm -hmm. and um and the premise is that like it's kind of built on this trope where the the hero in the film has to in the first few minutes of the movie save quote-unquote save the cat right Right. they have to it can be a biker who is tough and mean Mm -hmm. and all this stuff and then there's a cat in the tree and he goes up or she goes Up and gets the cat out of the tree. And now the audience likes that hero and knows, oh, there is good in them. So it can be a cat or it can be a child. Like they're mean Mm. to everybody else, but they make sure that this child gets the lollipop. You know, that's the moment in a film. And you'll start seeing that over and over and over again. Where the hero does something nice in the first few minutes of the movie so that the audience is ingratiated to them. Mm. And that's formulaic. That's part of story.
1: So why were you drawn to story even in your early years?
0: Man, I think a lot of it came from my dad, to be honest. Mm. My dad is an amazing storyteller and can own a room Mm. with a whisper. You know, Mm. and I think I saw that growing up. My, 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 both of my parents are hilarious. My whole family is hilarious. And my dad, my dad was a pastor. And mm-hmm. so not only did I see it kind of in that context, but just like, you know, hanging out with family in a room, he could own that room. And we, we listened to a lot of uh, Garrison Keeler mm-hmm. like on car yeah. rides growing up, sure. and a lot of storytelling So I think it just really started at a really young age of like watching my dad tell amazing stories, make people laugh, own a room and recognize the influence that that carried. You know, and since then, I've been able to, you know, my Ph.D. is actually in communication and specifically my study is in narrative and narrative marketing. And so I've been able to discover kind of the 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 whys behind that and how story is, you know, How story is so influential, like there Mm. really isn't another tool that has the ability to impact people's to influence people's perception and actions that is greater than story.
1: So what is the why? Why do we gravitate towards stories? I mean, throughout history, you know, I mean, back in the early days of, you know, the the world, it was, you know, verbal, it was wasn't written. So it was passed on verbally.
0: In many ways, uh, in its most basic, I would say that story is a sense-making device, right? That it helps us make sense of the world around us. We often use the word, it gives context, Mm -hmm. you know, like we'll Mm -hmm. say, well, here, let me give you the story to give you context. Well, when we're saying we're giving you context, what we're saying is, let me help you make sense of these facts well, let, let me help you make sense of this situation. And it basically takes out all of the information that is superfluous. Cause right, like even as you and I are sitting here, if I was to pay attention to every single thing that is in your background or what you're wearing or the glare on your glasses, or you know, like <laughs> you pay attention to all of this stuff, I wouldn't ever recognize what is important about this moment mm-hmm. because I would be processing every piece of information that is around. And what story does, especially when you follow the rules of story, is it it narrows down all the information that is surrounding us and makes sense of the moment hmm. and offers direction and offers context for why this moment or this thing is important. And so our brain is literally designed to tune out information that does not contribute to our survival and thriving. Hmm. It's a, it, it helps us survive, right? That it it's always looking for information that That keeps us alive. So when you get up in the morning, you're not noticing all the dots that are in the ceiling and how many threads are in the carpet on the floor or dots are on the window or wrinkles that are in the sheets, right? That's all actual information that is available to us at any given moment. Mm -hmm. But our brain filters out that information because if we paid attention to every single fact, we would never get out of bed. (laughs) We would literally just sit there and process every piece of information that is surrounding us. So our brain naturally filters out that information and goes, bathroom coffee, <laughs> like <you> know, <laughs> you know, sure. important things <laughs> right. that I need to take care of this morning and focuses our brain on survival and thriving. Right. Hmm. And so it kind of naturally does that our brain naturally already starts doing this for us. Hmm. Well, what story does in many ways is it helps when you understand the formulas of story, it helps you focus on the details that contribute to your survival and thriving. Because hmm. even in, you know, if, if you think about any story that's out there, there, there I'll, I'll kind of go through the story formula, the story brand formula here really quick. Mm-hmm. But basically every story, if you were going to write a screenplay or something like that, there might be like 30 to 40 different points that you had to hit on it. But in its most basic form, story is made up of seven different elements. Hmm. The first one is there's a character who has a problem, hmm. who meets a guide who gives them a plan, who calls them to action, and then their stakes in the story. So we know that it can end in success or failure. Mm -hmm. Those are the most basic stories, the basic story formula. Mm -hmm. So you understand there is a character, you meet a character in a story very early on that wants something. And it's one thing. Mm -hmm. There's not 50 things that this character wants, the character wants one thing.
1: Because 50 things would... Would, would kind of convolute the story would, would yeah. make it uninteresting, right?
0: Exactly. Doesn't tell mm-hmm. us what the story is about, mm-hmm. right? So Jason Bourne wants to know who he is. Mm-hmm. That's it. He doesn't want to open a bakery. He's not training for a marathon. He's not trying to get the, promotion. He he wants one thing and the story mm-hmm. has to be about that one thing. And then the hero encounters a problem, something mm-hmm. that the, the hero must overcome. It gets in the way because if he automatically just knew who he was, then that's a short story. It's not a right. good story.
1: Right? <laughs> no, <laughs> like, no one's going to go watch the movie. <laughs>
0: no, well, that was fun. Um, <laughs> you know, so he encounters a problem and really the entire story is about him overcoming that problem. Mm-hmm. But we all know that the hero can't overcome the problem on their own or they probably wouldn't have been in it in the first place. So they meet a guide, that guide, has been be there before, has, like, mm. has already essentially conquered the problem that this character is trying, the hero is trying to overcome themselves. So the guide helps them win the day. And then the guide gives them a plan. Every movie has a plan. Every story has a plan. I actually, one of the studies I want to do is how many times in movies do you hear the, the, the line, Here's the plan, or Mm. what's the plan? I would imagine that is in 95% of movies. That's an interesting. Uh,
1: Yeah. That'd um, be an interesting study.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And then there's a moment that the hero is then called to action where they must either accept or reject the movement forward. So they have to destroy the bomb or run away. Mm. There's a moment Mm -hmm. to accept or reject. And then we know that this can either have a happy ending, success, where everybody is joyful and alive. Or a sad ending where everybody is miserable and dead, you know, (laughs) and those are the seven elements. You'll see it in you'll see it in Star Wars. Luke wants to destroy the Empire or he wants to become a Jedi or save the universe. But the problem is that the Empire is there. Mm -hmm. Um, He meets Yoda. Yoda tells him to trust the force. That's the mm-hmm. plan. There's a moment where the death star is about to destroy another planet. So they have to do it now. And then we know that if the death star explodes, the rebellion is happy. And if the death star doesn't every another planet dies, like that's mm-hmm. just every mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. So what that does is when you focus on those elements and, and you can actually get them down to a tight story, it, shows the audience what they need to be focusing on and why it's important. What lesson needs to be learned out of the story? What action needs to be taken? What thought needs to be changed? And that's why story is key. Because in reality, again, Luke Skywalker's life, there's a million things going on. He could be going out and milking the cows or he could be sweeping the floor or he could be, you know, we don't see every moment of every day of every character's life for the most part, unless we're actually watching 24. But, (laughs) you know, you you know, you'd see the important pieces that show people context and meaning. Mm -hmm. And that's what's that's the power of story is, you know, uh, Walter Fisher, who is kind of considered the godfather of narrative study, you know, Mm -hmm. and communication studies in many ways. He really just argues that story is a reflection. Good stories are just a reflection of our life. Mm -hmm. And the more that they directly reflect our life, the more impact they have on us. And when you break that reflection that mirror to life, then people don't pay attention to story. Mm -hmm. And so it has to follow kind of like this happens, then this happens then this happens. And this is what we feel when we overcome problems and this is how we meet guides and all this stuff. So he kind of follows all of that through and says, when you break the formula of story, story has a a less impact on our minds and our actions.
1: Hmm. So in the story of your life, who have been the guides?
0: Oh, so many people, <laughs> so many, I mean, really genuinely so many people, um, you know, and, and that's even true in story as well as sometimes there's one guide, you know, there's Yoda or Obi-Wan Kenobi. And mm-hmm. then sometimes on a, like a road trip, they might meet five guides, <laughs> but you know, in my life, I would say Donald Miller is obviously a huge guide for me. He's mm-hmm. had a huge influence on my understanding of story when I was at that nonprofit in San Diego, it was called a more ministries and the president, his name was Scott Congdon. He really taught me so many different lessons in life about success and failure and, and how to love genuinely without, without expecting anything. And, you know, obviously my dad, Mm -hmm. you know, so there's been, I've had, and then, you know, I would say people I've never met. Like Mm. C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and Mm. what I just mentioned, Walter Fisher, you know, they're Mm -hmm. all people who have the key to a guide in any person's story is that they are somebody who is further in the story than you are. So they've Mm. overcome some of the problems that you've already overcome and they have empathy for your situation. So they've been in your situation. They have empathy and authority. They've hmm. been in your situation. So they know what it feels like, but they also have overcome it and move forward. So, you know, if I'm looking at how to explain mystery, how does mystery work in the midst of life? And I'm kind of thinking through that problem myself. Then I go to CS Lewis and I read hmm. his understanding about mystery and why mystery is important for our imagination and all this stuff, or even, um, J.J. Abrams. Mm J.J. Abrams is actually one of the most amazing people to listen to about the idea of mystery Mm -hmm. and why mystery is important in storytelling. So I go to those people who have had the same feelings I have. I learn from them because they're further down the journey and they can help me overcome my own problem of how to explain mystery.
1: Mm -hmm. So in in the work that you do now with, with where you're helping companies clarify their message, what motivates you? What drives you to do the things that you do? What's that motivating factor?
0: There's two very specific for me. Um, One is my own empathy (laughs) Mm -hmm. is that being that person who used to be, I worked for the nonprofit and here I am trying to, I have in my hands these amazing stories of people's lives being changed, right? That, Mm -hmm. you know, like literally being in the slums of Tijuana and talking to a mother who we just built a home for who says my my youngest child now will live because we can make it through the next rainy season Mm. my last child did not Mm. literally my last child got swept away because the rains came and we could we had no place to go you know and having those kind of stories that I go hey Honestly, people, if you just gave twenty more dollars, and and not in a begging way, but like if you give twenty more dollars, you're literally saving children's lives, Mm -hmm. and you want to make a difference, and you want to know that your life is making a difference. Twenty dollars is a very easy way to do it. Mm -hmm. But I have these amazing stories and amazing ways for people to be involved and change their own lives. And then every day, I'm sitting down to write an email and going, "How do I do this? What do I say?" You know, staring at a blank piece Mm -hmm. of paper. And knowing what that is like, as as a quote, unquote, marketer myself in that season, and just coming out of college, not really being trained for it, and feeling the weight of the business and the organization on my shoulders, I had to figure out how to create websites and emails and all that stuff. And I didn't have a formula. Mm -hmm. And so This is a formula that teaches people how to do those things, how to Mm. write emails, how to create websites, how to talk about what you do in a way that's compelling and engaging. So that's the first thing is just empathy and Mm -hmm. going, this is, I wish everybody had this because then it would make everybody's life easier, Mm. whether you're giving a speech, writing an email, anything. So that's like my biggest motivation is just trying to get this out there into people's hands Mm -hmm. in a way that doesn't feel creepy right? <laughs> like <laughs> as a marketer, you can also feel very like begging for money and all right. this stuff. And it's like, no, this, the story isn't about you. The story mm-hmm. is about your customer or about your donor. It's sure. about their journey. So you're helping them. And then the other thing too, is that people, I think story can also be used for evil.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> and a lot of the best storytellers in the world it, historically have not always been the best people. Mm-hmm. And so, Uh, You know, one of the things, the internal mantras that we say at Storybrand is we want to give the good people the microphone. Hmm. And so, you know, just because you have a great product or service or campaign or something like that, doesn't mean that you're going to win in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Right. The 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 best products and services don't win. The people who can communicate the clearest do.
1: Hmm. And And so, so, whether their message is good or bad,
0: they're going to. If it's
1: clear, they're going to win.
0: Exactly. So Mm. I want to get the good people the microphone. And I I really want to help people understand how story works so that when they're countering story, they go, oh, this is why I'm feeling this way. This is why I'm engaged Mm. with this. This person's a great storyteller. And it might not be good. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to give the good people the microphone. So those are really my two main motivations, empathy and give the good people the microphone.
1: Yeah. So speaking of movies, what's your favorite movie and why?
0: wow that's a hard one i would say i mean it kind of changes over the time but one that's pretty consistent for me is called lars and the real girl it it starts uh ryan gosling and when i explain it to you you might go okay we need to shut this down <laughs> um, but if you haven't heard of it it's an indie film and he he has a, a mental um, i don't know disorder but he has a he has some mental health issues and he's very lonely and isolated and he ends up getting a, a life size sex doll Mm. and convinces himself that it's his real life girlfriend. (laughs) And so um, there's nothing sexual about it at all. Mm -hmm. Actually it's just very much for companionship and Mm -hmm. it, and so it's the story of how this little town that he lives in surrounds him in this, in this experience and helps him ultimately heal. Um, Mm. But it's all kind of driven by this obsession with this. He he treats the doll like she's a real person and (laughs) the the rest of the town has to decide how do we engage him and how do we help him heal in this Mm. process? And it's a very, it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. Um, Mm. And so that's probably Lars and the real girl
1: and the real girl. Yep. I'll have to write that down.
0: It's a little strange, so it's sometimes mm-hmm. hard for me to go, you know, well, you know, Ryan Gosling falls in love with a sex doll, that he does. And-
1: <laughs> well, that's your plot line. It's like, yeah. mm, okay. Yeah. It's, I'm shocked that didn't make millions. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of art movies, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you know i'm, I'm also kind of interested in in why we make decisions that we do you know my path is kind of like yours it's kind of this windy i mean i have have a degree in psychology you know right. i went off to college i was the first one in my family to go to college and i went off to to eventually i was hoping to go to medical school well making in yeah. chemistry and biology won't get you into medical <laughs> school <laughs> so yeah. you know and and just full disclosure i grew up in a mennonite family
0: Yeah. So I grew
1: up without television or movies, and so when I went off to college, I was like, "Oh man, here's TV. I can watch TV all day," you know. (laughs) So, and so that's where I spent my time. But, um, but I've I taken this windy path, and now I've you know I make documentaries and I have this podcast and I tell these kind of stories. So what what were those decisions in your life that made those changes in that windy path that you went on?
0: You know, for me. I think it just was I think for me, I was always just pursuing, you know, to be honest, I don't know <laughs> I'm you the most honest. I know that's not yeah. an interesting answer. You know, for me, it, it a lot of it has just been about what sounded fun, to be mm-hmm. very honest. Um, you know, I think I've always looked for ideas I could believe in and people I could trust. Mm -hmm. I think in a lot of ways, like I never wanted to be a solopreneur myself. Mm -hmm. So I was always looking at who would be fun to create and do things with, you Mm -hmm. know? So I even joked when I first came to StoryBrand, as I said, you know, as long as I believe in the mission and I can trust the people I'm working with, then I'll sweep floors, (laughs) you know? And so I just Mm -hmm. kind of was always looking around for what was fun and what really fulfilled something in me, you know, uh, I, that might feel a little selfish to say, and, but, you know, part of my own fulfillment is helping other people. Like that Mm -hmm. actually makes me feel good. So that's always been a part of my journey. And so I just kind of always, it really was. And I think that's even why I was drawn to like the improv comedy and making movies and stuff is it was, we just got to play, You know, Mm -hmm. you got to play with people and you got to do something that at times was important and at times was just whimsical. Mm -hmm. And I I think my my life goes back and forth between those things. And so there's times where, like, I'm really dive into very heavy, like sometimes very hard and pushing forward. And I find fulfillment in that. And then I kind of need to go into whimsy for a little bit and mm-hmm. I go into whimsy and have fun. And then I kind of go back into the hard and heavy. And I, and I just kind of found that my whole life is what, where can I have fun? Where can I use the gifts that I have and make an influence and be with people that I love to work with? There, there have been moments where I have, I mean, I genuinely like paused and said, okay, what's next. You know, I don't want to get too spiritual, but you and I do have a spiritual background Mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. Sure. But in the sense of kind of like I I do some things where I actually go on silence and solitude retreats. Mm -hmm. And so I'll go to a monastery and spend a week in silence. And but then what I also do, I I, I did this thing a while back where I actually when I left the college and was kind of pursuing the television and what was next, Mm -hmm. I did what I called a 40 day journey. And Mm -hmm. I did what I referred to as feasting and fasting. And so I would go to a monastery for like four or five days. And then I went on a wine tour in Napa. Mm -hmm. And then I went back to a monastery for a few days. And then I went to Las Vegas and then I went to a monastery and then (laughs) I went to, uh, I went tailgating at the Oregon Stanford football game. Mm -hmm. And I really did. I went back and forth like this and was trying to ask the same questions that I asked in the monastery While I was in Vegas Mm. and trying to hear and identify who I was and what I felt like kind of my calling was Mm -hmm. in the midst of both the noise and the silence, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think for me, at least a lot of times it was very easy to find some things when I was in silence that I couldn't find in Vegas, you know, (laughs) and being very intentional about like, who am I and what am I called to do? In the very broad sense, I have a very broad sense of calling—not mm-hmm. like a specific, like you mm-hmm. must do this—but a broad sense of what does my heart calling me to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would kind of go back and forth, and and so it wasn't always just like, well, whatever is fun, I'm mm-hmm. gonna, you know, rock and roll. You know, it really was what was fun and what was fulfilling, but sought with intention.
1: I think maybe this past year was a good time for many people. I know for me it was to really do some of that that yep. deep. That, that, deep work, that, that, that work that we need to kind of reevaluate who we are and what do we do? Yeah. You know, I think it's, and, and I think even now as things start to open back up, we need to remember those things and remember that to, to have those breaks to, to stop. And, and I, I actually, this week I started writing down in my to-do list to take time to think and to dream.
0: Yes. Space. Space is yeah. So important. Yeah. Imagination and dreaming. And I mean, all of that I think is so key. And for me, you know, I guess going back to kind of your original question is for me, there always kind of came a point where I felt like I call it a holy dissatisfaction in the mm-hmm. sense that like I wasn't depressed or I wasn't sad or I wasn't. It was just like, okay, I feel like I've learned as much as I can learn here and I've given as much as I can give. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sad, I'm not depressed, I'm not, you know, angry, but what's next? And then I paused and kind of spent time seeking counsel from friends and family and myself, you know, at, like I said, at monasteries and things like that. I'm just, okay, I'm going to pause and go, what really is important to me? What am I really longing for? What what are things that I like about where my life is and what are some things I want to change? And then start slowly moving towards that next phase.
1: Mm -hmm. Was it difficult to make a change to leave some of the things that you really were excited about, like making movies or making TV shows? Was that difficult?
0: To some degree, yes. But I think every time that I've taken a new leap like this, uh, like even coming to StoryBrand now, it's been five years. Mm. And but when I came to StoryBrand, I think for me, you know, I'm single, I don't have kids. So it's a lot easier in some Mm -hmm. ways to go, Mm -hmm. well, if the worst thing that can happen is I end up on my parents couch, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And so I kind of have always been able to go, all right, I'm going to move to Tennessee and I'm going to give this a go. Mm -hmm. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, then I have my answer there too, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think I've genuinely loved every season of my life. Mm-hmm. So every, every season I've left has been hard.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know if it's, if if you've experienced this, but I look back at my journey and every season kind of prepared me for the next oh, season.
0: hundred percent. I can look back at my life now. My, you know, like I said, it felt very scattered. Here I was mm-hmm. at one point, a nonprofit guy living in the slums in San Diego, mm-hmm. going to a touring comedian Uh, working at a church and then being on television and in film and than being a professor, like that feels like a very eclectic, scattered life. Mm-hmm. And I genuinely believe that every single one of those steps prepared me for what I'm doing now. Mm. I don't think I could be doing now what I'm doing without that.
1: It's funny how that works. And I'm, you know, I'm even thinking, okay, what am I doing now? That's preparing me. What, what's next?
0: Yeah, I kind of go, <laughs> you know? I have no, and I have no idea. And I always think like, is this, this, is this my, where I retire? Or is this like, <laughs> holy cow, what's preparing for next? I can't even imagine
1: yeah so going back to my original question, a little teaser I put yeah. out, so how did you get uh, invited or how, how did it come about that you were talking about faith or religion with filmmakers or, or I guess theology with filmmakers yeah. at Sundance?
0: Well, my I mentioned my master's was in theology and film. So mm-hmm. you know I studied well, yeah, theology and the arts in general. So actually my uh, master's thesis, was a I wrote a 30 minute sitcom spec script or pilot script for a show that would be a exegetical tool for the book of Ecclesiastes. Oh wow! <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, I literally wrote a a sitcom that would be a tool to kind of walk through the book of Ecclesiastes and it, at least the themes and that so it wasn't mm. like you know, it, it wasn't cheesy. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of walked through the themes of it. And so, but I studied, you know, music and art and film and television. And so one of the classes actually was at Sundance. We went to Mm. Sundance Mm -hmm. and we were a part of this thing called the wind rider forum, which still goes Mm. on today. You can actually be a part of anybody can go and be a part of the wind rider forum at Sundance. And they bring in some of the top filmmakers to discuss what theological like what theological aspects were intentionally or unintentionally in their films Hmm. and then uh put in their films and then there's kind of a debate and discussion around it so there's panelists and you different people are part of the panel and discussion Hmm. and so um it was a very powerful and influential moment Hmm. in my life of Hmm. sitting there and 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 talking with these filmmakers who mm-hmm. some of them had never even really had the opportunity to talk about their, and they might not even be Christian. Literally it might not right. be Christian. Sure. It's just a matter of understanding, like, here's my view of God. And I put it in there. And nobody here at Sundance is seeing this other than the people who are in this room, mm-hmm. you know, and being a part of that. I loved. And so I went for, I actually went a couple different years mm-hmm. back I went once as a class, uh, as as one of my class, and then I went back later. I, I thought for a while that that's what I was going to do—is kind of be making films and teaching mm-hmm. film. And I still think there's pieces of that that are going to be in me. I have a couple different mm-hmm. script ideas that I've I'm slowly mm-hmm. working on and developing, and see where those go. But you know, it it, it was interesting when when I began you know we've been talking about the influence of story and in one of one of the areas of study for my phd was on this whole idea of narrative transportation and mm-hmm. narrative transportation is the idea that when when you experience a good story you actually the audience puts themselves in the story so mm. it's that concept of when somebody says i got lost in a book or mm. you know i uh, i i remember watching walking dead And at Mm -hmm. times, like as I was drifting off to sleep, starting to pray for some of the characters in Walking Dead. (laughs) And like, you know, they're
1: God, they really need you (laughs) to test time right
0: now. They're stuck in that prison and they're surrounded by zombies and I don't know how they're gonna get out. And then you're going, oh my gosh, who am I? What's happening? Get outside a little bit more. But that's that's the idea of nerve transportation Mm. or like when Mm. you jump in a movie, you're you're,
1: Mm, a movie.
0: You know, that's so we've all kind of experienced that. And the way that that happens is when you actually follow the rules of story and tell a good story, people will experience higher levels of narrative transportation. Hmm. But the research shows that that the higher level of narrative transportation people experience, the more influence that story has on their minds and their actions. Hmm. And so the better the story, the more it changes us truthfully. Mm -hmm. And the research goes all the way from like looking at movies and books down to a marketing tweet. You can actually Mm -hmm. look at Instagram posts and marketing tweets and emails and let, and measure people's narrative transportation in those experiences, looking at a website as well. The better the story, even in, in a tweet or a better story on a website, the more influence that story will have on people. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think, you know, literally Aristotle and Plato back in poetics talked about if you want to change the world, tell good stories. They really Mm -hmm. like, and they did it. They even broke it down with drama and comedy, how different, how comedy and drama are aimed differently at society and how to use those Mm -hmm. to influence culture. And for somebody who wants to make a difference in the world and for somebody who wants to help people see the goodness in themselves and the goodness in others. And, you know, a lot of those, what would probably be considered very cheesy things, you know, Mm -hmm. bring more world peace and more love and all of that stuff to the world. Mm -hmm. I am more convinced than ever that the best way to do that is through story. And, Mm -hmm. and so I knew it before I, I always knew stories had the ability to impact people. But when I began to study it, I began to see a little bit more why and how. And now I just, that's all I want to do. I want to give good people a microphone and I want to tell good stories. And I want to invite people in because I know that stories will change the world. And that's not a platitude. That's actual based on research. And so wow. that's who I, that's who I want to be. And I want to help yeah. good people tell good stories. And that's just kind of what I've made my life about, um, mm-hmm. is studying that understanding it and helping people not only tell, but then I believe ultimately live a better
1: story. Mm-hmm. Wow. So this is an appropriate question. I ask one of on my guests, this when the movie about your life is made, uh-huh. what will the log line be? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, what would the log line be? I think it would be something along the lines of, <laughs> I don't know. Let's see. You know, we, we actually teach people how to create quote unquote log lines for their business. Mm-hmm, so that's why, right. you know, it, it's formula. <laughs> you, I, I mean, I know people are already surprised by this. It's, it's the formula is problem that you solve solution success mm-hmm. so what problem do you solve as a company what problem do you solve how do you help people solve that problem and then what does their life look like so for story brand I'm meandering here because I'm thinking about it but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm making a point uh, the for story brand is so many companies are so close to their product or service that they have a hard time explaining what they do that's the problem mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. teach people a seven part framework to clarify their message so that, their marketing is clear and their company grows. That's the Mm -hmm. log line essentially is problem with communication. So I would say (laughs) I'm going to make it super cheesy, but it, in a world that was, that a lot of people saw darkness, JJ pointed people towards light.
1: Mm. Back to telling stories that changed the world. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that's, uh, Uh, It's something to really strive to. And that's really what I'm hoping to do with some of the work I'm doing and the projects I'm working on. But, uh, and really with this podcast is allowing people having a platform that people can share their story with the world. And I think that's what I hope to do with this. So what's the next big thing for you?
0: Um, you know, one of the things that we're working on right now is called business made simple university, and it's mm-hmm. kind of putting uh, a whole bunch of, I'm loving
1: the book, by the way. Are you
0: good? Good, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's putting a bunch of tools in people's hands to help them grow their business. So there is the messaging, <laughs> there it is, there is the messaging framework, what I just talked about, mm-hmm. kind of understanding how story works and how to create a good story and a marketing framework, then how to put that into a sales funnel. But there's a whole bunch of other stuff in there about, you know, communication and negotiation and putting proposal together and all of that stuff. So we're really kind of growing that piece. But one of the things that I'm really stoked about right now that I think I just use the word stoked. I'm not sure I've used (laughs) 20 years, but one of the things I'm very excited about right now is one of those, those uh, courses in there it's called hero on a mission Mm. and it's the whole concept behind it is how to create and live a great story for yourself and the power in it is so it 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 really is amazing it it walks you through a framework of how to write a good story for your life and you know as we're we'll kind of wrap with this piece of that in every good story there are four types of characters Primarily there is the hero, the victim, the villain, and the guide. Those Mm -hmm. are the four in every story. Those that we see that the hero, the victim, the villain, and the guide. And the reason those exist in stories is because those exist in us, right? That at any, Mm -hmm. any moment of the day, we can be playing any one of those four characters. Now what's interesting to me is that the hero and the victim, I'm sorry, the hero and the villain often share a backstory of pain. They've both experienced Hmm. a backstory of pain. The hero works to redeem that pain and the villain works to revenge that pain. Hmm. So you notice even like villains often have a scar on their face to literally Mm -hmm. show you the physical pain that they went through. It's a -hmm. a mark that says this person was hurt, now they wanna hurt others. The Hmm. hero, they were hurt, but now they wanna help others. Hmm. And that is usually, that story is kind of then told through with the victim as the motivate, like basically the hero helps the victim and the villain uses the victim to hurt people, right? Mm. (laughs) And, but what I, what's interesting is that no good stories are written about victims. Victim Mm. in a story is meant Mm -hmm. to be a temporary state. That mm-hmm. if you stay in as a victim, then no good story really ultimately will be written about your life. And and obviously right. that's understanding that there are real victims and some things like that. But when it comes to our own lives, so many of us often play the victim and mm-hmm. all the victim is there for is to suck energy from the villain and the mm-hmm. hero. That's it. They're a foil for those two stories, but that they will never tell a good story of their own. And I so know. when we live in that place of victimhood, then we are just sucking in, sucking energy from other people. That's it. Hmm. And we need to and recognize that when we experience pain, we have the power to either use that pain to hurt others, become a villain or mm-hmm. use that pain to help others, which is the hero's journey and moving forward in that. And then ultimately I think the kind of the highest level is to then become a guide is use your experience Mm -hmm. to help other people on their own hero journey. And so in this season, that's just the thing I think I've been thinking about a lot of what role am I playing? Because all of us to some degree over this COVID season have been victim to something right? Whether Mm -hmm. it's get ourselves becoming sick or somebody we know being sick or just being separate from our family or our business going under Mm -hmm. or something like that. And those are hard things. And I think we need to acknowledge them and not gloss them over, but we can either stay in that victim mentality or we can become a villain or a hero. And we have that choice of which path we're going to take. And my challenge for myself, and I think for everybody around me right now is how do we move into our own hero's journey and ultimately become a guide? Because that, again, I think is what's going to change the world.
1: Mm. Well, that's, this has been a fascinating conversation. And JJ, thank you so much for uh, being willing to come on the show. How can people get in touch with you or your organization? If
0: they go to storybrand.com, that's where they can find out a little bit more about us. Where, Because uh, we have workshops that are, happen all the time where we teach people mm-hmm. how story works and then actually help them create the messaging for their marketing. So create the words for their web sites and their one-liners and their emails and all that stuff and so we have them going on all the time so you can go to and right now they're virtual so you can go to storybrand.com and find out more information there
1: awesome jj thank you for joining us today on the my story podcast i really appreciate it Uh, thanks for having me jj or should i call you dr peterson Thank you so much for sharing your story. The work you and your team at StoryBrand do for businesses around the world is amazing. And I'm so grateful for you shedding some light on story. Next time on the My Story podcast, my guest is the one and only J. Todd Anderson. If you've seen movies like No Country for Old Men, Fargo, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, Raising Arizona, or The Big Lebowski, you've seen J. Todd's work. He's been the storyboard artist for the Coen brothers and other Hollywood directors for a long time. Jay Todd will be sharing his story of growing up, drawing sketches of football games on TV to becoming one of Hollywood's leading storyboard artists. Don't miss his entertaining and compelling story next time on the, my story podcast. Hey, if you enjoy what you hear on the show, please leave a review and a rating. This lets me know what you like and how I can improve the show. I also encourage you to share this episode with a friend or a colleague who may be interested in what you heard today. The music on today's show is from my friend, Drew Davidson. You can get all of his music on iTunes or Spotify or at drewdavidson.com. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll talk to you again next time on the My Story Podcast.